This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. So I am fascinated by our guest today, Jillian Mandich. She is a happiness researcher, and I've admired her work for so long that when I give talks on Finding Your Bliss, and I quote famous experts and writers and thought leaders, I often quote Jillian Mandich. It's true. And uh, you'll recognize her as a regular on such shows as The Social, Marilyn Dennis, Breakfast Television, The Morning Show, and the CBC. Dr. Jillian Mandich has a PhD from Western University in health science, specializing in health promotion. Her primary areas of research are happiness and health, and her work combines her latest research, practical wisdom, and an engaging style to help people lead happier and healthier lives. Dr. Mandage is also a top-rated speaker, both in person and online, and I uh, have witnessed this. I have uh, been at one of her wonderful talks with Dr. Laurel and uh, Alpha Omega, and she was absolutely riveting. You were sort of on the edge of your seat. You couldn't wait to hear what she had to say next. She's represented by pro speakers. She was recently named the CanFit Pro 2020 Canadian Presenter of the Year. Congratulations. And she has given two TEDx talks, The Surprising Truth About Happiness at TEDx Yorkville, and The Two Things You Need to Know to Be Happier uh, today at TEDx Windsor. Dr. Mandich is also passionate about research, and this is what I love, is this stuff is all based on great research, surprising finds, and constantly new ones. She is the founder of the International Happiness Institute of Health Science Research and is part of the Meant to Prevent Research team at Sick Kids Hospital. As mentioned, she appears regularly in the media. She's a graduate of the Student Innovation Scholar Program at the Richard Ivey School of Business, Pierre L. Morissette Institute for Entrepreneurs entrepreneurship and world discoveries and she is the co-lead investigator of the Canadian Happiness at Work study. And later on in the show our featured artist is the talented singer-songwriter Michelle Yu. But first, I'm so happy to introduce you to happiness researcher Dr. Jillian Mandich. Jillian, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. It's so wonderful to have you here. Judy, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. Um, I just, I can already feel we're going to have a really fun conversation. So excited. <laughs> Jillian, I study passion and purpose and the concept of finding your bliss. So I'm fascinated by the exciting work that you do. What exactly is a happiness researcher? I love your job title and it's more than that. It's a career. I know that. And what inspired you to begin doing this very unique and groundbreaking work? Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I sometimes think back to when I was in high school, you know, when you sit down with your guidance counselor and they ask you, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think it's not like I sat down and told my guidance counselor, I want to study happiness, you know, but as a lot of good things in life, your paths, they wind and they turn. And I actually started out, um, I've always been passionate about research. My mom is a researcher. So I grew up looking up to her and I'm a very curious person. So I used to study actually childhood obesity. My master's degree is in child and youth health. 
And when I went into my PhD, I was still studying childhood obesity, but I started, you know, we have those like moments in your gut where like something just doesn't, there's something off and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I started reflecting and I thought when I, when you study childhood obesity, in order for a child to be in your study, they have to have a BMI, a body mass index above the 85th percentile for their age and gender. And what you use to calculate body mass index are two things, height and weight. And so I started thinking about it and I said, why am I using the number on a scale to determine if I can help somebody in my work? Um, you know, I think we could both agree as well as you listening that, you know, weight on a scale doesn't necessarily indicate health. And, you know, and so I thought, what else can I use? What other metric can I use to measure to help people? And within my PhD, my program is actually in health science, but then health promotion was the area of focus of my work. And so I thought, well, what else can I learn or study that promotes health? And I found happiness research. And I, up until that point, to be totally honest, I didn't even know you could study happiness. I didn't even know it was a thing. And so when that I realized that I started reading a lot of research and I thought, wow, you know, when you compare happy people to unhappy people, happy people have lower rates of cardiovascular disease. They have stronger immune systems. They heal faster from injury and even beyond physical health. When we look at things like creativity, problem solving, workplace related things, performance, relationships, all of these things are improved when we're happier. And so halfway through my PhD, I completely did a 180 and started studying happiness. Um, and, you know, now looking back, I'm so happy studying happiness, but I never thought I would ever be here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Are you familiar with the Harvard University happiness course? Because I always said... I'm dying to go to Harvard just to take that course. <laughs> I actually, for curiosity, especially when the pandemic hit and um, there is a version of it online uh, through Coursera. And so I thought, you know, especially when we were first in lockdown, that was same with me. I'm like, I study this, I teach this, but I would love to learn from somebody else too. So I actually went through the course um, during the pandemic and it, it was great to see other people that I don't know saying similar things to what I was in different perspectives. And uh, it was really great. And it's a great way to help make this mainstream. Because, you know, Judy, a lot of times when I tell somebody I, I'm a happiness researcher, like, <laughs> you know, the like, thought bubbles you see in cartoons, <laughs> I can almost like see a thought bubble coming out of their head being like, is that a real thing? <laughs> you could probably teach the happiness course at, at Harvard, you could be one of the professors because you're such an expert in the field. You say there's no secret to happiness, but there is a science to it. What do you mean by that? Yeah, you know, this this idea really came from when I started telling people that I'm a happiness researcher and you, certain things were happening, I was noticing patterns. And one of the patterns was people would then say to me, okay, Jillian, well, what's like the one thing? Like, what do I need to do or buy or get or say in order to be happy, right? Like, what's this magic pill? And I thought about it. And I'm like, there is not one. There's no secret to this. There's there's not this one thing that you, know, you see magazines, like five steps to being happy. Like that's not how it works. And right. at the same time, what we do know from research is that no matter what level of happiness we were born with, each and every one of us have the capacity to not only increase our happiness temporarily, but we can sustain it at elevated levels. And so by taking the scientific method and research and all of that and applying it to study how can we be happier, we can actually mm -hmm. learn best practices. We can learn things that are highly correlated with happiness and we can use those and apply them in our own life to be happier. Mm -hmm. So it's not a secret, mm -hmm. but 
it requires work. Uh, you know, there's no magic pill. We're the pharmacist, though. So that's the piece that I find really empowering. You strike me as a very naturally happy person. Would you describe yourself that way as a child and just growing up? Because you seem to sort of have it naturally. Would you agree with that? You know, it's funny, Judy. My mom was cleaning out her basement a couple years ago. And she found all these boxes of books and like journals from like when we were in grade two and like all our old report cards. And so one day I was over at my mom's house. I thought for fun, I'm going to like read through my old like grade two journals and my like pictures of like hand prints and all that kind of stuff. And I found some report cards and a couple of my teachers had actually mentioned that I was a happy child. Um, And the caveat to that is that one, I'm not happy all the time. I think sometimes there's a perception that if you study happiness or in order to be a happiness researcher, if I'm doing a good job, I'm happy all the time, when in fact, it's the opposite. Um, The goal is not to be happy all the time. I'm not happy all the time. I would never want for you, Judy, to be happy all the time or you listening to be happy all the time because that's not the point. Can we increase our happiness? Can we have more happy moments? Absolutely. But when we look in terms of healthy psychological functioning, what we need to understand is that we need the full spectrum, the palette of human emotions. That's part of being alive. And so when we can understand that, one, it takes the pressure off of ourselves, right? Because if yes. we're having a day when we're not feeling happy, we may feel like we're doing something wrong or something's not right. And that's absolutely not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's sort of a piece of it too. And at the same time, what we do know from research is that there's a genetic element to happiness. So we can thank our parents or not, but that does play a role. And then something that I think we can all appreciate this past year and a however long it's been now since the pandemic began, that our environment impacts our happiness, right? But there's a third piece. And that third piece is the piece that's up to us. So that's our thoughts, our actions, and our behaviors. So as a happiness researcher, that's the piece that my work focuses on is that thoughts, actions, behaviors part. Mm -hmm. And we do know that that piece has a meaningful, significant role in our overall happiness. So Mm -hmm. regardless of where we live, regardless of our genetics, each and every one of us have the capacity to control a piece of our own happiness. And I think that that, when we talk about the signs of happiness to me, was like the big nugget, the big aha to say, okay, wow, so now we can do it. And the question becomes, how, what can we do? And you have, in one of your talks, you talk about the two ways, the two surefire ways to increase your happiness, joy boosting levels. What would some of those be? Yeah, you know, and and I love this because there's so many ways. And what I think uh, is so powerful about happiness is that each and every one of us has to figure it out for ourselves. And yet what we can do is there's a lot of different ways that have been shown to be very effective. So a couple of those things would be practicing gratitude, you know, taking time every day to think about things that we're grateful for. Um, Exercising. We actually get a double boost in happiness from exercise because we get those endorphins, right? That feel good hormone. We're moving our body. Um, also getting outside into nature, big, big, big one. Um, and like even things like not even what we do, but sometimes it's what we don't do. So sometimes removing things from our life can actually make us happier or deleting or doing less of, or spending less time with certain people that are draining us or things like that. And I think that that's kind of a good thing to know too, because 
let's face it, we're busy right now. Our lives are full, our lists are full of things to do. And so knowing that sometimes it's actually about taking a step back and doing less or removing things or delegating things or saying no to things, that can also um, be a powerful way to, to actually boost our happiness. Absolutely. I wonder for you, I know your background, you have some yoga in your background as a yoga teacher and instructor, and I have the same. And I, and I, when I think of yogis, I think of, you know, them being in a perpetual state of happiness, you know, wearing a toga and just sort of being in a, in that total state of bliss. Right. But as you say, real people, it's very normal to have the, you know, the whole palette of emotions. But would you say that yoga and meditation help increase levels of happiness? Cause I know that when you're meditating, you're really not worrying about what's just happened before or what's about to happen. You're in that beautiful state where right now is just perfect the way it is. Mm. Do you think that's one of the clues to to um, increasing your own levels of happiness? You're a happiness researcher too, Judy. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. your assistant. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, I mean, we look at things like mindfulness. There's a lot of research looking at mindfulness and how it's highly correlated with happiness. And I think for a couple of different reasons. One, when we're meditating, we're focusing on our breath, we're, you know, following a guided meditation, whatever type works best for us, we're in the present moment right? We're not thinking about what we have to do later. We're not stressing about what we didn't do yesterday or having anxiety about what may or may not happen in the future. And a lot of happiness is really about being present in the moment. So that piece of it. And also, I think some of our happiness, figuring out what makes us happy, a lot of it comes down to self-awareness, right? We have to figure out those things for ourselves. And I think part of meditation, part of mindfulness, even part of a yoga practice, the asana part, even the movement, you know, the poses is that we get to know our own body and what, what we like and what feels good. And that's helping us to answer that question for ourselves because, you know, it's so fascinating. I was talking about patterns earlier, Judy. Well, when I was before COVID, I would do a lot of like focus groups with research participants or one-on-one -on -one interviews. And a lot of times I would ask participants, I would say, you know, do you think you're as happy as you think you possibly could be? And usually they would think about it. And actually I have yet to have somebody tell me, no, I'm good. I'm, I don't think I could be happy. Really it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then my follow-up question was usually, okay, well, what makes you happy? And then usually one of two things happened. Either before their exhale started, they started giving me their answer. It was like a reflex. My mom, my dog, my cat, my sister, whatever it was. It was like they didn't even take a beat. It was just like exhale, like answer, reflex. Or there was like a really long pause. They're like, hmm. And I'm like, huh. And this was happening over and over and over and over and over. And mm -hmm. so I thought, what's going on here? <laughs> and I started thinking about it and I thought, hmm, well, if we're not as happy as we think we possibly could be, but either we don't really know what makes us happy, we really have to think about it, or it's so in reflexive that we probably didn't think about it either. No wonder we're not as happy as we possibly could be, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think part of the happiness practice and just, you know, to circle back to the mindfulness thing, I think that is a really good tool that we can use to start to get to know ourselves, to start to answer that question for ourselves. So that when I or anybody else says to you, hey, what makes you happy? We're actually able to answer it because we know. And when we know, awareness is the first step to any behavior change, right? We can't change what we don't know. We need to change. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about happiness and how we can cultivate that in our life, more of it, um, mindfulness, meditation, all of those things absolutely can be a very powerful tool to help us to empower ourselves yes. to answer that question for ourselves.
Absolutely. I think gratitude also is such a huge clue to all of this. And years ago, there was the Sarah Bunn Breathnack uh, Gratitude Journal book, beautiful book, all about how to just start writing those five things every day that you're thankful for. Or just as a mom, I always remember saying to my kids before bed, what are five great things that you're thankful for that happened today? And I think what happens is you flex that muscle a little bit and you start to look for, it could be the smallest thing. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things. So I th- do you think that just the practice of gratitude can actually increase that happiness hormone? Oh, absolutely. Um, so for my PhD dissertation, I actually worked with undergraduate students. I went to Western um, in London, Ontario. And so for my study, I actually worked with undergraduate students. And what we did for my study was every week for four weeks, they learned different skills. You know, some of the things we talked about already, you know, mindfulness, they learned about social connection and all these different things. <laughs> One of them was gratitude as well. And then at the end of the study, I asked them, like, what was your favorite part? What was the thing that you liked the most? And by far, the most common answer, most frequent answer was gratitude. And what I love about gratitude is that it can be done anywhere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a lot of time and it doesn't cost anything. So when we think about, you know, we don't need to do all these big fancy things when we just boil it down to something as simple as, and when I say practice gratitude, all I'm saying is, taking time to think about things in our life that we're thankful for, that we appreciate, that we're glad to have in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one of the things I think that's important with gratitude, though, is there's different ways you can do it. And in like a good, better, best sort of um, spectrum, mm-hmm. thinking about things that you're grateful for is good. And if we really want to maximize the potency of the practice, really writing it down is best. Yes, And that can, can be like taking an actual pen and writing it out, or it can be typing it out on your computer. Maybe you have like a Word document open. Maybe you use like an app on your phone, whatever way works best for you. But if you can actually take it and write it out, um, that can really help to maximize the practice. And another thing I think as humans, we're creatures of habit, right? We just kind of do what we always do oftentimes. With gratitude, one of the keys to keep it to keep it keeping its potency is to mix it up. So if you're thinking, for example, you know, who are three people in my life that I'm grateful for? Maybe tomorrow it's uh, what are things that I learned that I'm grateful for or body parts that I'm grateful for or, you know, all these different things. It doesn't need to be a different question every day. And at the same time, when we can mix it up from time to time, that really helps to keep sort of our brain on its toes and helps us to really get the most out of the time that we're committing to our gratitude practice. Nice, nice. I also love your take on compliments and how Mm. it feels so nice to give a compliment, but you have a lovely way of describing how to make that compliment more potent and more authentic. Yeah, you know, this is something that you know, I think, especially during the pandemic, um, there was so much doom and gloom, right? You turn on the news, you turn on, and you open social media. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of it rightfully so. Um, and yet I, I started thinking about like, well, what can we do? And like, just like compliments, I mean, just like gratitude, compliments is something that's simple. It doesn't take a lot of time and it doesn't cost us anything. And yet can make a really big difference, not only in our lives, but in the lives of the people that we care about or appreciate. And so the key though, with compliments, it's, you know, they're not all created equal. So it's really about giving that genuine compliment, something that is, is true from our heart. That's really spoken authentically. And even beyond that, I think, you know, really doing things like, for example, complimenting beyond appearances. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we can't always control what we look like or how our hair is this day or, you know, things like that. So, you know, asking, is it something about somebody's character that you appreciate? Is it something that they did, something that they said, how they made you feel? Things like that can really, and getting specific and detailed. So, you know, instead of saying, hey, you look pretty today or whatever, it's, I love the pink shirt that you're wearing, Judy, because it really just brings out the brightness and the smile, uh, you know, on screen here. I love your lovely orange. I love your lovely orange as well. and so pretty on you. No, it's so true. It's such a small thing. It's, I think even with parenting with a child, when you say, there's a difference between saying, I love your painting or saying, I love those happy reds and oranges. They just Mm -hmm. make me feel good when I look at your painting or, and you have, you really have that deep noticing which is a very coach-like, uh, a coach-like lovely thing. We're going to go on a short commercial break and we're going to find out all about the correlation between happiness and resilience when we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And I'm here with happiness researcher, Dr. Jillian Mandich. What is the correlation, Jillian, between resilience and happiness? Because it seems that people who are resilient are just naturally happier. Yeah. You know, this this is, um, so I study happiness and one of my best friends studies resilience. She has a PhD um, from the University of Toronto. And so we were out in her backyard one day and we were just thinking about like, how is our work similar? How is our work different? And we were sort of chatting because we, we do see in the research, you know, over and over and over again, there's a plethora of it really s- suggesting how, showing how correlated resilience is with happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and resilience is our ability to bounce back. So when a challenge happens in life, whatever that may be, whether it's a job loss, a divorce, a pandemic, when that happens, resilience is our ability to bounce back. Mm-hmm. And so, but at the same time, when we bounce back, resilience is bouncing back to where we were before. So mm-hmm. going back to where we were. From there, though, the question is, do we want to stay there or do we want to bounce back higher? You know, how high? And so once we bounce back, we pass where we were before in terms of our level. That's what we call thriving. Mm-hmm. So thriving or flourishing, sometimes we see it called in the research. And so that's where we can live our life because hard things are going to happen. You know, it's life is not always butterflies and rainbows and, and hard things happen. So resilience, it's what helps us to cope with those challenging things. 
So I like to sometimes think about happiness like a muscle, right? Like mm. you go in the gym and if you want to get stronger, right, you have to exercise your muscle and over time you get stronger. Happiness mm-hmm. is the same sort of thing, you know, it's, it's a practice. And so as we start to do more things in our life that make us happy, over time, that muscle gets stronger. And so as our happiness muscle gets stronger, oftentimes our resilience muscle gets stronger as well. And it's the same sort of thing. So when we start to do things um, to boost our resilience, whatever those things are, um, and a variety of different things, whether it be, you know, going through things, processing emotions, whether it be facing hard things, you know, oftentimes we don't want to actually be resilient because we have to do hard things. But when we come out the other side, resilience is really such a character building thing. It can really build confidence and self-esteem, which are also correlated with happiness. So they're all kind of in this big pool together where um, they're they're all interrelated. And and definitely though, knowing that both our happiness and our resilience are things that we can cultivate more of in our life. We can strengthen that muscle. The fact that that's possible, I think is really exciting um, and empowering because then we know, hey, you know, we aren't just a passive consumer of life. And when life throws us things at us, it's not we're sitting there, woe is me all the time. Although if you have a day like that, hey, that's part of it too. But um, the really, the issue is, or the concern would be if we marinate in some of those more challenging emotions for an extended period of time, that's when we can kind of get into more muddy water. I also wonder about the whole notion of service. We just had Joan London on the program. She talked about how in her book, um, when she found out she had breast cancer, she allowed herself a few hours to worry. And then literally after 24 hours, she said, wait a minute, this is a gift. I can become an advocate for women's health. I can help other people. I can write a book about it. Like she was on that mm-hmm. sort of, you know, and I and I think she's a very outward focused person. And I know with Bliss, it's very similar. Would you say that being in service, like you think of Mother Teresa, like she was just in service and mm-hmm. it's just utilizing your own unique gifts and talents to make the world a better place. And how can you not help but be happy when you're when you're doing that? Absolutely. You know, I think sometimes when people say like, how do I get out of a bad mood if I'm not feeling happy? And I think one of the most effective instant ways to get out of a bad mood is to put yourself in service of other people. Because what yes. that does automatically is it takes the focus off of I, you know, ego, me, and it puts it onto somebody else. And that person is going to get a boost because you're doing something nice for them. And you are as well, because you are doing something nice for somebody else. Um, I actually, my most recent segment on the social, we talked, it was um, national volunteer day a little while ago. So we talked all about the benefits of volunteering. And so I went deep into the literature as I prepped the script for that segment. And um, it's really such a powerful thing. And it doesn't matter what we do in terms of service, right? It can be, uh, you know, helping somebody with their groceries. It can be, you know, working at kids with a camp. It, it's more what interests us that there is something that we're passionate about or care about when we're in service that can really help us. And I also learned, cause I was curious about this now, like, especially with COVID, um, I was talking to, uh, to a friend and she was saying, you know, I used to go and volunteer at, at sick kids at the hospital that I work at actually. And she said, I haven't gone since the pandemic. And I, I miss that. Like, I feel that void, but I don't know what to do because I can't go to the hospital. And so right. I was like, okay, well, wh- a, there's a lot of new virtual volunteer opportunities that are happening now and they're just as effective when in the research so it's you don't need to be in person to be in service and it could be a phone call 
Absolutely. It could Absolutely. be a phone call, right? Like, how are you doing? Calling up, mm-hmm. calling up somebody who you know is alone and saying, yeah. how's your day going and telling them a joke and <laughs> even smiling. There's, there's somebody that we see on our walk. My daughter and I walk in the mornings together. Oh, That's nice. definitely a happy thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we always see someone. It's just a big smile for that person. Mm-hmm. It's just smiling sometimes, right? Makes you happy, makes them happy. And it's just a, it's just kind of a cool thing. Okay. Was it fun doing TED Talks? Like, that's really cool that you've done two TEDx Talks. You seem like a very young person, and I'm so impressed with that. Can you tell us about about the TED Talk, about um, the one that I mentioned about happiness and the two great things? What was that like, and and was it hard to put together? Was it so fun? Yeah. Um... Yes and no. Um, it's it was interesting because um, so my first TEDx talk I did was in Yorkville, and that one I love TED talks. I've been watching them for years. I bought Chris Anderson's TED book. I read how to give one. I was like, I want to do one. And so I used to email organizers of TEDx events and say, Hey, are you looking for speakers? Like I go on the TEDx website. I'd look like six months out, see who's planning them, find out the na- information of the organizer, and then I would email them. I got a call one day um, from the organizer in Yorkville saying, hey, we had somebody drop out. Do you want to do a talk? And I was like, absolutely. And he said, there's just one thing. And I was like, what? And he's like, it's in 11 days. And I was like, (laughs) and then I was like, took a breath. And I'm like, yes, immediately. I'm like, I'll do it. And then I got off the phone and I'm like, oh, then the panic set in. (laughs) And because though I had read Chris Anderson's book, I remember like one of the things he says is like, you pick one idea. Everybody wants to cram so much wisdom into a talk, but it's not very effective because it's too much to take in in the short format of of a talk. And so I basically cleared my schedule um, and and thought about it and changed it and whatever. And then I remember that morning I was getting my makeup done um, by one of my friends as, as a really world-renowned makeup artist. And so, so, you know, for me, when I want to go on stage or something, I want to look good. I want to feel good. It was a big deal. So she came over. She did my makeup. Halfway through, she's like, Jillian you're not breathing. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, yeah. And I was so nervous. I was so nervous. And I remember pulling up to the event in Yorkville. I drove from London. I'm like, so lucky I didn't get into a car accident because I was so nervous. And then I'm like, trying to figure out how I could get out of it in my head, right? Because we have this like, this saboteur in our minds that when we're stretching ourselves and when we're growing, yes, sometimes we don't want to do it. And so then I thought, no, Jillian, you're here. You're going to go in. You can do it. And afterwards, it was, I was so happy. You know, I felt so accomplished. I was proud of myself. But in that moment, another thing I really learned was, Jillian, you haven't really been that nervous in a very long time. And a lot of our growth happens when we are in those times when we're stretching ourselves, we're pushing ourselves, yes. where something that's important to us, we're showing up for that. And yes. so after that, I really started to look for opportunities in my life to continue to stretch myself, to ask, where am I uncomfortable? What's like a big audacious goal that I want to go after? And I think that that, whether it's, you know, for me, it was doing that TED talk, but for all of us, we have those things. And, you know, I think and part of the reason I even study health science and health promotion is because we get one shot at life, right? We get one opportunity. And, you know, I'm, I just think like, how can we really use that opportunity to, to make the most of our life? And I think that's why studying happiness for me is something that I'm so passionate about because happiness to me, I see it as like turning up the volume on life. It's like seeing life through an HD 
lens as opposed to like an old TV, you know, the ones with the antennas. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) I see this as a book in a very big way. I'm sure there's something in the works. But if there isn't, I see you writing this book in such a big way. And and, and I'm going to ask you to come back on the show when that happens. (laughs) You do so many things. You do the TEDx talks. You also talk about some of the myths surrounding happiness. And you say there are four myths of happiness that you suggest are not necessarily true. The first one being, I'll be happy when. How many of us, when I, I I say this, when I lose 25 pounds, Mm -hmm. when this, when that, right? Yeah. But, but the happiness of course is right now. So that's, that's a big one. Um, You have another happiness myth, which is once you put a ring on it, you'll live happily ever after. Uh, the goal is to feel happy, not sad. We talked about that. Or landing your dream job is your ticket to happiness. Can you talk about that? Because I think that's a huge one for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, it really is. Um, We think like... Uh, we often think that if we work really hard and we're successful, then we'll be happy. And success is however we define that for ourselves. Different people have different definitions. But we oftentimes have that narrative in our head that, okay, and I, I did this through grad school for so long. I was I was studying happiness, being like, when I'm done, I'll be happy, you know? And, yeah. and part of it, when I was doing that, I was like, oh my goodness, like I have to enjoy this process because if you get to the end and you haven't enjoyed the process, you don't just poof, happiness comes. Like happiness is not a destination. It's not something that we get to. And really the research actually shows it's, it's the opposite. When we are happy, we tend to be more successful. It doesn't go the other way necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I think this is really important, especially when so many people, we see them sacrifice things, you know, for work. Um, You know, they're not home for dinner, uh, working on weekends, these things, because they think, okay, I'm going to get all of this. And then, you know, I'm going to provide for my family or all of these things, and then I'll be happy. But it doesn't work that way. And so I think a lot of it is just rewriting that narrative in our head that happiness is something that will be available to me one day. And instead recognizing that no, happiness is something that I can create today. You know, oftentimes I say people like seek, S-E-E-K, seek happiness, Mm -hmm. but it's not really about that. It's about seeing happiness, like S-E-E, happiness, see happiness. It's about looking around in our life and saying, what do I have right now that is great or that is making me happy? And how can I appreciate that? And how can I notice those things? Because if we're so busy focusing on the future, these amazing things pass us right by and we didn't stop to even notice or appreciate them. It's so true. Have you had a moment? It doesn't have to be big. It could be any size. I actually love the way I wanted to tell our listeners, Jillian's bio is so organized. You have the brief, you have the short, and you have the long, the fuller bio. And I was so impressed with that. Like this, it's a detail, but it was so lovely. So thank you. do you have a moment or have you had a moment in your life, in your career, where you just went, this is like you just had an epiphany and you just thought, oh my God, I could pinch myself. It's kind of like Melissa Grello talking about J-Lo <laughs> or we, yeah. all have, we all have those moments, but a moment for you in your career where you just went, wow, this, it doesn't get any better than this. I'm so happy that I'm doing this. Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, Even like on TV, on, on one of the shows, I know you do all these shows and I had never done a lot of TV. I started doing TV um, when I was actually doing research and I was having a hard time recruit when I was studying childhood obesity. And so I thought people watch TV. So if I go on TV, maybe they'll want to be in my study because they'll learn about it. (laughs) And then I realized I love teaching. Teaching is one of my favorite things, something I'm really passionate about. And um, 
And then I realized if I'm talking about science and research on TV, I'm teaching, it's just a different classroom. You know, I, I taught at Western in the Faculty of Health Science for four years. And um, my biggest class that I taught was the first year class. I had 500 students in my class. And I thought, when I'm on TV, I could be teaching millions, you know, uh, all across the country. And so then I always, you know, wanted to do TV. And so the first show I ever did, um, national show, was The Social. And I remember going there again, I was super nervous. So I was stretching myself, but I remember my grandparents emailed me after the show and said they saw me on TV and they were so proud of me. And I like wanted to ball because sometimes you do things and you don't really realize. And I thought, wow, like my grandparents watched me. And that to me was just like one of those moments where it's just so, um, so special. It's lovely. Oh, I love that. That's so nice. I, I printed the email actually, and I put it in a frame. Oh, I love yeah. it. I think that's also so important what you just said. It's just noticing it, right? It's not just noticing it. Sometimes we have that happy moment and we just let it go by, fly by, but actually holding on to it and enjoying it. And 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 by doing that in the frame, that's so brilliant. You you can actually, every time you look at it, it'll bring a beautiful smile to your face and just a wonderful feeling. You're a scientist and you are a teacher. And I see that when you're giving your talks. It's so interesting that you say you love teaching because I see that in you. That's Melissa Grello also who you, on the social, she began as a teacher. You are a scientist on a mission to help people live their happiest lives. What is one of the main things about happiness that you know for sure, mm. that you just know is a given? I think we're so often focused on looking for happiness, right? You hear things like searching for happiness, finding happiness. Like it, like it's something external that we need to go hunt for or look for, you know, like we're just going to discover, Oh, Hey, here's happiness. And one thing I do know is that, yes, we have, like I talked about the genetic piece, and the environmental piece. When we think about the piece that my work focuses on our thoughts, our actions and our behaviors, step number one, we have to go in instead of going out. And really it's a lot of the practice of happiness is really tuning into ourself, listening to ourself. Like, you know, even in yoga, my yoga teacher, uh, Jill Miller used to always say, you know, we're a student of our body and our body's our best teacher. And that applies to yoga and that applies to happiness. And a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of happiness sometimes too comes from remembering. Like when we're a child, like you watch kids, yes. right? And oh. you see how they play and their innocence and stuff. And we get, we grow up and life throws things at us and we get jaded or bad things happen or marketing influences us, or we start looking to social media. That's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, but we just get all this muddiness, this noise around us. And so one thing I know for sure about happiness, if we want to be happy, we absolutely need to get quiet. We need to go within and we need to start tuning into ourself and remembering that our body's our best teacher. And when we want to know what makes us happy, remembering those things that are already within us instead of searching outside of us for something um, to bring us happiness. We can cultivate it. We can find it within ourselves instead of finding it out there. I love when you talk about putting a reminder in your phone to ask yourself, who are you grateful for today? The alarm is set on your phone in the middle of the afternoon. Can you tell us what sparked that question and what a great way to look at that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we talked about gratitude earlier and I, I totally get it. And I try all of the things that I read in my, in research. I'm like, Oh, does this work? Let me try it on myself. And I started practicing gratitude and I was like, wow, this is really great. And then I thought about it. I'm like, I think of all these really nice things about people and I write them in my journal and I feel great. And I'm like, imagine if I told those people those things, right? Like, 
And so I set a reminder on my phone and it goes off and whoever I'm thinking of that day, I send them a note or actually sometimes I'll pick up a phone and call. Imagine that. I remember we used to make phone calls. <laughs> <An> old fashioned <laughs> way. <laughs> and nice. so I feel like you can take your gratitude practice even one step further by sharing what you're grateful for. And then they actually get a boost in their happiness. And it feels good to feel appreciated, especially when it's out of the blue. Like that surprise element is kind of like the secret sauce of it too, because it's like, wow, Jillian just called me to tell me that she was so grateful that I took the time um, last week to drop off some, whatever it is. And so I think that that's a really good way to, to sort of take that gratitude practice one step further. You just, you're tickled pink by it, right? You're just, as I yes. said in this pink room, but it it, 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 it actually really relates to my next question, which is that my dad, my late father, was one of the happiest people I've ever known. He was a member of the Order of Canada. He just was a glass half full kind of person yeah. and an eternal optimist and a very kind and nice person. Is there a correlation between kindness and happiness? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think your dad's a perfect example of that, right? Um, when we're kind to people and kindness extends both to others, but also to ourself. You know, I think sometimes we can be really, really nice to other people, but if like we took a microphone and stuck it in our brain and amplified the things that we thought to ourselves, <laughs> then we would, nobody would want to hear that anymore. So <laughs> kindness, compassion for ourselves uh, as well as others is absolutely um, something that impacts our happiness for sure. That's such a brilliant, brilliant point. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Do you think that people are happier now than they were before the pandemic? What's changed with people's happiness levels in the last year and a half? You know, actually, I um, I just um, a couple months ago uh, was quoted in an article, Fast Company. So Fast Company actually did a study, it's American data, but they found that people weren't as unhappy as we thought they would be. And they asked me, why is that? And I thought, okay, yeah, like a lot of bad things have happened. And at the same time, a lot of things have shifted. Like the amount of times I've had friends say to me, wow, I'm so happy I got to go outside today. Or wow, I got to see my friend. Or wow, I got to sit on a patio. All things that we took for granted before, we are appreciating now, you know, the, the connection with humans and the relationships that we have. And it really started to, I think the pandemic highlighted for ourselves, like what are those things that we, what we're missing when we can't have them? What are those things that we want to do that are the, the most powerful, special things? And so, yes, there's been a lot of bad. And also having that awareness and appreciation, like you, like you talked about earlier, right? We're not letting life ha pass us by. We're starting to get into the moment and to appreciate um, those things. And that is something that I think is a gift or a silver lining um, of the pandemic. I would so agree with what you're saying uh, so much. Uh, as a life coach, I often tell my clients to model themselves after the happiest or the calmest person they know and step into their shoes to practice being happier, or calmer, or more patient. Do you have a role model? I think you're the happy person, but in addition to yourself, do you have a role model of a very happy person that you hold up as a shining example? Mm. Yeah, my mom. Um, I'm the oldest of seven kids. My mom had seven kids in nine years, and then she went back to school and did her PhD. And uh, my mom models happiness, but she models everything. She showed me she can do hard things. My mom taught me every anything is possible by showing me that anything's possible. If you can have seven kids under nine and do a PhD, you know what? What can't you do? And so my mom teaches me, um, you know, how to show up for life, how to go for what you want, and and to do it with kindness and grace and compassion and joy. Um, so yeah, definitely my mom. Aww. What is bliss for Jillian Mandich? Oh, you know, bliss, 
One of my all-time favorite quotes is from Joseph Campbell. Uh, Follow your bliss and the universe will open doors where there were only walls. And so for me, bliss is a compass. Bliss is that internal feeling that is guiding me through life um, and is what is my North Star. That's so lovely. My my bliss is is right now. I I, I feel and I and I and I think it is for a lot of other people. What is the best way for people to contact you, Jillian, and connect with you on social media? So yeah, so my website is my name, which is Jillian Mandich, and I'm Jillian with a G. So it's G I L L I A N M A N D I C H dot com. And my socials on all the socials is my name at Jillian Mandich. So uh, they're all the same, and I'm on all of them except for TikTok. I haven't done that one yet, but uh, what's, <laughs> everywhere else. What's fine. next for you? Is there anything you can tell us? Am I on the right track that there might be a book? Yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> you absolutely are. I am working on a book right now. I told myself when I did my PhD, I would publish it as a book. And since then, it's gone through a lot of iterations and things like that. Um, but that is something that the pandemic, spending more time at home instead of traveling as much, has allowed me to really start to focus on the book. And so that will be coming. Lovely. And I think people are going to be in for a real treat because I know that the work that you're doing, the research, the thinking, the thought, and just you as a person, like how beautiful. And I hope that you'll come back when the book is here to tell us all about it. I will bring you a signed copy, Judy. Oh, I would love that. That (laughs) would be bliss. That would be sheer bliss. I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's truly been a delight. And I am so happy that we've had you. Thank you so much for having me, Judy, and for the work that you do and the energy and the thoughts that you put out into this world. You know, it truly is a more blissful world because of you. So thank you. Thank you. Same to you. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss and our featured artist, Michelle Yu, when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're joined now by the very talented singer-songwriter, Michelle Yu. Michelle Yu is a Toronto-based artist who's about to enter her final year at Sheridan College in the Honors Bachelor of Music Performance Program. She is a big believer in art that reflects the world that we live in, especially spotlighting marginalized communities. Currently, you can find her performing in the Toronto Fringe Festival in We Knew Each Other Once Before by Dante Green. Today, Michelle is singing Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. Michelle, welcome, first of all. So great to have you here. Hi. (laughs) Can you set up the song Unwritten and what made you choose it? Yeah, so I'll be singing Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield today. And this was one of those songs that I just like vividly remember coming on the radio all the time when I was a kid. And 
I just think of like a really beautiful summer day, like with my family driving to like Wonderland or something like that, like some type of like summer family outing. And it just makes me really happy. And I think the song withstands like time. Isn't that wonderful? We're so excited. Uh, Guys, you're in for a real treat. Take it away, Michelle. Thank you. I am unwritten, can read my mind, I'm undefined, I'm just beginning, hands in my head, endings unplanned, staring at the blank page before you, open up the dirty window, the sun illuminates the side you cannot find reaching for something in the distance close you can almost taste it release your inhibitions feel the rain on your skin no one else can feel it for you only you can let it in no one else no one else can speak the words on your lips drench yourself in words unspoken live your life with arms wide open today is where your book begins the rest is still unwritten I break tradition Sometimes my tries Are outside the lines We bring condition To not make mistakes But I can live that way before you open up the dirty window the sun illuminate the wish that you cannot find reaching for something in the distance so close you can almost taste it release your inhibitions feel the rain on your skin no one else can feel it for you only you can let it in no one else no one else can speak the words on your lips. Judge yourself in words unspoken. Live your life with arms wide open. Today is where your book begins. Wow. Michelle, that was so beautiful. I have to I have to tell our listeners that was Michelle accompanying herself on the guitar and that was absolutely beautiful. I want to thank you Michelle so much for being on our happiness uh, episode of Finding Your Bliss today. That was so beautiful, and I can't wait to see what's next. And I think there's something very cool in the works. I'm not going to tell you guys about it, but Michelle's going to be back with it very soon, I hope. Uh, thanks again so much for being here, thank Michelle. So that was gorgeous. That's so much fun. It was, it was so gorgeous. <laughs> Each week we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. Also, if you're an author, artist, writer, or anyone who has found and is following and living their bliss, we want to hear from you. You can write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. We also encourage you to visit us at Finding Your Bliss magazine at findingyourbliss.com. And of course, you can follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. 
In Bliss News, we're so excited to announce a brand new giveaway courtesy of Zenchies. Zenchies is a Canadian company specializing in handmade hair accessories. As you may have noticed, scrunchies are really back in fashion and trendier than ever before. Aside from being a healthier alternative to hair ties, this 90s hair accessory elevates any outfit by adding a gorgeous pop of color and makes a great accessory to keep your hair secure. All of their accessories are made with eco-friendly and organic fabrics to make a positive impact on the environment and benefit their customers. And with every purchase, 10% of net proceeds go towards Cancer Care Manitoba. We are giving away a $75 gift certificate courtesy of Zenji's. And you can also spend some of that gift card on something brand new from Zenji's, which is their newest Apple Watch Bands. High quality, lightweight and fashionable Zenchi's Apple Watch bands come in two sizes for the perfect secure fit and in four different pretty colors to dress up your Apple Watch and elevate your everyday look. Forget about spending time adjusting the band to fit your wrist every time. Made with extra wide durable elastic, these trendy watch bands are easy to take on and off just like a scrunchie. This giveaway valued at $75 is available on Instagram at The Bliss Minute. And all you have to do to enter is tag two friends and follow us on Instagram at The Bliss Minute and follow at MyZenchies. That's M-Y. Z-E-N-C-H-I-E-S. The contest is live right now and closes on Wednesday, August 4th at 6 p.m. Good luck, everyone, and happy shopping. I would like to thank my guests, Dr. Jillian Mandich and Michelle Yu, for being on the show today. We loved having you. Thank you to supervising producer Mag Ruffman, producer Siobhan Kiley, senior editor Haley Allegia, and our wonderful new intern, Lauren Kaminsky. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center, and everyone here at Zoomer. This show has been recorded by Squadcast. We're going to close out the show today with a short meditation called Cultivating Joy from mindfulnessexercises.com. Let's begin by settling back, get as comfortable as you can, gently close your eyes, and feel the connection between your hips or legs and the earth, whether you're sitting down, reclining, or lying down fully on a mat or on a bed. And just breathe in gently, in and out through your nose, breathing in through your nose, exhaling out through your nose or mouth, whatever feels more comfortable. And as you're rooting down, notice the energy you receive back from the earth. Feel how your connection to the support underneath you helps you feel refreshed, awake, and alive. And just Soften now into a deep feeling of gratitude for the body itself and for your breath. Sense your heart opening to the miracle of your body and all the amazing ways in which it allows you to connect with your world. Feel your heart open to the miracle that is your breath. Breathing in through your nose. Breathing out through your nose or mouth. Another beautiful deep inhale, right in, and letting it go in a long deep exhale, feeling all the tension release from your whole body 
and then intentionally, ever so slightly, turn up the corners of your mouth into a smile and notice how the body reacts to this subtle smile and turn toward that wonderful sensation of happiness. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to breathe and choose happiness and take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.